Well, I'm delighted to see all of you here on this wonderful Labor Day weekend, and I hope that you're getting a chance to rest a little bit. But also, let me say this publicly, thank you for working. I mean, we've come to that in our world today, and when Sheila and I go someplace and people serve us or wait on us or whatever, we thank them for working. And they look at us like, you know, what are you talking about? Well, there's a lot of folks apparently who aren't because we see help wanted signs all over. And so I want to publicly say to you, thank you so much for those who are working and working so hard. Because as you've heard me say on different occasions, I truly believe that Christians should be the hardest working people in their workspace. And if we're not, we need to find out why. Because it's important, it's really imperative for our testimony and our witness to do a good job every, at everything we do. Because the scripture says, do what we do unto the Lord. So we're doing it to him to honor and glorify him. Now, the song was great. How many like the song New Wine? Okay, so here's, here's a wine quiz question. And I am not a winemaker. What does it take to make wine? Grapes. <laughs> That's good. Okay. And when you have those grapes, what is required? They got to be Christ. And so really, as we walk through this series, we're talking about coming to the place in our spiritual journey where we are willing to let God, as it were, crush us So out of our life can flow from us the very thing that he desires from his heart. And that is that we as his children demonstrate the reality of Jesus Christ. And so this journey of faith we've been on for a little while. And we're going to stay on for a few weeks. But the heart of Christ, what is the heart of Christ in this? And that's why I've asked you to read Matthew, excuse me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yes, but Matthew 5, 6, and 7, because in that Jesus really expresses his heart of what the realities are as his representative of the Father and how that plays out every day. Now, here's the list we've been working off of, like I said from the very beginning. This was a list in a Bible study we did on Wednesday night some years ago. And there's actually percentages that go with this. And I didn't put them up there because I don't know who did the algorithm, and I can't tell you how uh, true it is. But I do believe these 10 things are really important for us to look at. For example, first of all, they're talking about 100 people. And out of that 100 people, there are some people in that 100 who have complete and total ignorance of sin. You're saying, how in the world is that even possible in America? And yes, it is. There are people who live in our community who have now for several generations had nothing to do with Christ or God or his church or his family, nothing to do with the word of God. And so as a result, they're just absolutely ignorant of sin. And then in that group, there are those who are aware of sin, but they just don't care. You know, I don't care that I have sin. And and by the way, what they will typically do is look at somebody else and say, well, you're, you know, your sin is worse than my sin. And so we start comparing ourselves and that's not a good way to do it either. Not a good response. But there are those who are concerned about the effect of sin, meaning that Somehow, somewhere in there, the Spirit of God actually gets an opportunity to let them know that, yes, we have a freedom of choice, 
But that choice determines our eternal destiny. And so every person that you talk to, it doesn't matter whether it's your family, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates, every person that you talk to has an eternal destiny. And each person gets to make the choice of where that destiny will be. And some, praise God, address sin by accepting Christ. That's why I'm here today. Prayerfully, that's why you're here today. But to be reminded, there are many of our family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, classmates who are not in that category. So we address the sin in our life, and then we get involved in religious activity. Now, this is normal, in case you haven't known or paid attention. This process that someone delineated uh, through the study we were doing is really very spot on. But sadly... Because people sometimes get involved too quickly, they don't realize that they're doing what they're doing. It's not with a bad motive, but they're just, they're kind of going through the motions trying to get something done because, you know, in church, there's a lot of things that need to be done. And as a result, there's holy discontentment. And so they pull away. And have we not seen that over the years I've seen that many, many years, many, many times in the years that we've been involved in ministry. But then there's the, I want to say this is the sweetness. For those who continue on, you come to this place of brokenness. That's kind of what we're talking about, about being squeezed. You know, the grape is being squeezed to produce the good wine, that that sweet taste for God. And so the question is, how does brokenness occur? For many It's circumstances and events of life that just come pressing in. And if you've never heard the phrase, life's coming at you, I can promise you, life's coming at you. It just is. That's just the way it is. Life is coming at you. There are circumstances. There are events. There are things that take place that you're going to say, I I had no idea it was going to be like that. Just a quick list. How many of you, when you got married, for those of us who are married, how many of you, when you got married, said, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be? <laughs> well, that kind of brought a little laughter, and I'm, I'm glad something could cheer us up this morning. Okay, because when you take two individuals who have been dating, if you have been dating, And in that dating season, you have any kind of brains at all. What you're trying to do is please that other person. And so you're doing everything you can to please the person. It's kind of like the folks who uh, have produced the material that we use for Grace Marriage. And the wife, Marilyn, says to her husband, Brad, you were great at dating, but you're terrible at marriage. Because what happened? I won the prize. I can quit doing all this stuff I was trying to do to win the prize. And that's not just the guys, even though we're usually worse than the ladies. But when two people come together and they've been trying to please each other, now they're living together, and this is the right way, being married, doing this honorably before God. And all of a sudden they find out they have some differences. For example, I can give you a quick quiz. Gentlemen, how many ways are there 
to put toilet paper on a roll. There's only one way. <laughs> we have a wise man in our group. It's her way. <laughs> we just have differences. Most women don't know that if they shave their leg with your razor, it messes up your razor. Those are silly, but they're true. And, and so all of this, when we think about it, about what it means to be married and people coming together and how this works out. And so sadly, oftentimes when we come to know Christ, we have misconceptions as well. And in those misconceptions, we can find ourselves in holy discontent or we can find ourselves in brokenness, which is where I would hope and pray that we would all get to and say, okay, God, whatever you have to do in my life for your reality to be my reality, I want it done. Now, let me tell you, when you sign up for that, that's serious stuff because the next thing that has to happen is I'm really surrendered in submission to him. And from that, from that, we have this profound love connection with God. And we have extreme love for others. And we're going to walk through those last few there just for a moment this morning. Because the first thing that we're going to look at, and this is back in Matthew six thirty-three, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now notice what it says. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not my kingdom and not my righteousness. It's important that we know the difference because typically, if we're be honest, what we're after is what I want. I'm just telling you, it's what I want. We, we have not just instantaneously moved into this me generation we're in now it has been protracted over time. I want what I want. I want it now. I want it my way. As long as we do that, everything is wonderful. The problem with that is you can't have a whole world that does that and things turn out well. And particularly for those of us who are in Christ, who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we're more about His kingdom, His righteousness, and then all those things that everybody's seeking after— the food, the clothing, the things that we need for life will be given to us because we've done this over here as we should have done it. But this thing about, I want it to be done my way. Like I said, it didn't just start yesterday. When Sheila and I were still in school in college in Charleston, I became associate pastor for First Baptist Church of Bono, South Carolina. If you don't know, it's a blip on the map, okay? Just so you know. But it's, like, it's right there on Lake Moultrie, and it's a really pleasant place to be. The two primary responsibilities that I had as associate pastor was youth and bus ministry. Bus ministry meant every Saturday, me and my team would go out, and we would visit every home of every child who attended our bus ministry who came in for Sunday school. And we had three buses, I think, we ran. We had a lot of kids. We had a lot of kids. 
And so every Saturday, me and a team member would take one of those routes while other teams would take the other routes. And we would go visit every home every Saturday, knock on the door. How are you? Try to get an invitation in if we could, because we're what? Not just after the kids, we're after the parents, right? And so one Saturday, we knock on the door. The kids had been coming for quite some time. Mom and dad was home. They let us come in, and I began to share the gospel with the dad. After a little bit, here's what he said. I don't want you in my home. You can leave now. And if you don't leave right now, I'll never let my kids get back on your bus again. And so we left. Before we were able to make it back the next Saturday, his wife took his 38 and killed him because he was an abusive husband, an abusive father. And it was just so tragic. And, and, and I remember that conversation with him. I remember how God was impressing on me the necessity for this man to know Jesus and how quickly he cut me off and He was saying, if it ain't my way, it's the highway. And you go on the highway. And I did. And I was thinking that was that was over 47 years ago. I'm thinking, where's that family today? And what happened to those children who were precious? They were absolutely precious. And that mom and all that went on. So. The results do not always turn out as we would hope that they would. But the question is, are we willing to press in as best we can? So here's the thing. Before this man lost his physical life on that Saturday, God knew in his sovereign knowledge what was coming down the pike and impressed upon me the necessity, the urgency of sharing Christ. That's kind of what we're talking about here when it says seek Christ. First, his kingdom is, this is not like, oh, well, if I get time, if, if I have a moment, then I will read my Bible. I might spend some time in prayer. And, and yes, if I get really wild and crazy, I may even attend a service on a Sunday morning somewhere. This is almost knocking down the door. That is, it is so urgent that I have him first, his kingdom, his righteousness. That yes, as we talked about last week, we, we're still concerned about, you know, what do we wear, that we look decent, that we smell good. Uh, and, and by the way, I apologize. We have some folks here from New Jersey. Remember my illustration last year in the military, or last week in the military? Just, sorry guys. Okay. I wasn't hopefully implying that everybody from New Jersey need a bath, but anyway, they did make that point to me afterwards that they bathe. So that's good. It's, it's really, there's so much of God that we want, that we will do anything and everything that we possibly can to know him, seek him and his righteousness with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And that's gonna, that phrase is going to keep coming back. You'll see. But how amazing it is that he gives us this privilege and this desire. And, and you guys know I'm not in the sports I know it's hard for some people to believe that you can actually live and, and not 
love sports. I promise you, those of us who don't love sports, we still suck air. We, you know, we're good. You know, just happen not to be inclined in that direction. But I have seen what I would consider rabid fans of sports. And in my mind, that's kind of what I would think that we would be as Christians, such rabid fans of God that we're seeking anything and everything we can to know him and to know his kingdom and his righteousness before everything else. You remember the night in the Garden of Eden? Garden of Eden. <laughs> Garden of Gethsemane. Two different gardens. Okay. Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is in turmoil. He knows he's going to the cross. And so he takes these 12 guys there. And by the way, if you've ever taken the time to study that, you will find out that all the sacrifices in the temple that have been going on, because this is Passover, they all go into the, the creek that runs down under the bridge that they had to cross over to go into the garden. So can you imagine the pungent smell of blood as they're going in? And he knows that his blood is the ultimate sacrifice and all these others have been foreshadowing of his. And so there were these guys. He said, guys, and some of them stay over here. He takes three with him over here. And he, and he says to them, keep watch with me. Now, I love different writers and how they can phrase things way beyond my capacity and, and one guy was saying it this way. Jesus was saying to that inner circle of disciples, come here so you can see things the way I see them. Now, wouldn't it be amazing and incredibly wonderful, supernatural even, that if we got up every morning and we would say, Lord, I'm here to watch with you. In other words, I'm here to see what you see. I'm here so that as I see what you see, I can have the appropriate response to whatever it is that comes my way. Whatever it is that takes place that I can watch with you. Taking my attention off of me. How many times, look at our prayers. The other day I was, I was just examining my prayers and I thought, man, me's getting in there a whole lot. Didn't mean for that to happen, but, you know, we, we have problems, we have circumstances, we have events. Like I said earlier, life comes at us. And so it's easy to look at, well, how is this going to affect me? Even as we're praying for a problem or a situation or other people, it's, well, how is it going to affect me? Or am I even praying so that the, the good effect is for me? Am I really so concerned about God that whatever he chooses in the answer of the prayer, I'm willing to accept because he knows the very best for that person and for me and for that situation and for how I'm going to be a part of it. I think that's what Jesus was saying based on what this writer says, and I agree with him. Can you come and watch with me? And so we move on and the, we seek him and we seek him so that we can know him. And here's the most famous verse in the Bible on knowing Christ. I want to know Christ, yes. To know the power of his resurrection. I want to know what it's like, God, to live every day knowing that you have provided and placed in my life the kind of 
power, the word in the Greek is dunamis. It's the same word we get our word dynamite from. The same power in my life that you put in his life for the resurrection. Now, that's pretty cool because what should be happening when those lives are being expressive of the very power of God, people should be being touched by God's power as they're touched by us. It isn't us, it's him. It's his working in us and through us that all the works of God can be done. What did Jesus do? It says in Acts 10, 38, he was anointed of God filled with the Holy Spirit, and he went about delivering those oppressed of the devil and healing those who were sick. Now, I realize we have modern medicine, we have all the stuff, and I'm not against that. That's not my point. But is our first response when something happens to go to God and say, God, what do you want to do in this situation? I remember years ago, a young lady who was a quadriplegic, And she went to her pastor and she said, I prayed and I prayed to be healed and I prayed and I prayed to be risen up out of this wheelchair and other people have prayed for me and here I am still in this wheelchair. Is it my lack of faith? And the wise pastor said, why don't you ask God what he wants and what will bring him the most glory? And let's see how that works out. And she changed her prayer. To this day, Johnny Erickson Tata is still in a wheelchair. How many lives has she touched in those now, I guess, 40 years? Of being in a wheelchair, being a quadriplegic, quadriplegic, and yet glorifying God in the process of living her life out daily when she goes through stuff I don't know about. So then we come to that part, and that's why I'm already there, that we participate in his suffering. Can you imagine the Bible saying this? And it does. Jesus learned his obedience through his suffering. He's the son of God, really? And yet God knew in his human flesh he had to walk through some things to get to the place that he needed to be so he could be totally surrendered, as we're talking about, and totally given to God and totally obedient to God so that the very expression of God could be revealed. And it tells us in John chapter 1 that he was with us and God revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus Christ. How do you think God is going to reveal himself to our world if he doesn't do it through us? Can he do it supernaturally? Of course he can. But he chooses, think about this, how important this is. He chooses to involve us in the process. How amazing, how incredible, how wonderful that is. So when we're at home with our family, who is God choosing to minister to our family? Us and vice versa, of course, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, We're it. God has chosen us. And sometimes he knows that he's going to have to take us through some things that we don't like. I had the opportunity. I was at an event this week. And one of the people putting on the event came to me and said, there's someone here you need to talk to. And it happened to be someone in the media. And they said, here's my question. I don't know that I'm really fulfilling God's will for my life. Because 
where I'm serving now, and again, this is a media personality, where I'm serving now, it's very uncomfortable and very difficult and very trying. <laughs> I, I try not to laugh, but I'm thinking, sounds like you're right on track. You know, that's Philippians 3.10, that we're suffering. And then it says, and be conformed to his death. That means that I died to self to live for Christ. How many would like to have a funeral today before you leave? I'm talking about your funeral. You, You don't get it? Die to self to live to Christ. We're not asking you at this moment to give up your physical life. We're saying, are you willing to be at that place in your spiritual life where you will absolutely say yes to God? Yes to God. I surrender to you. It's all about you. It's your will. It's your kingdom. It's your way. It's your righteousness. And I don't care anymore except that I know you. In the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering, and I'm conformed to your death. That's what's going to change our world. We can look at politics. We can look at science. We can look at all education, all the stuff. But the only thing that will change our world is God. It's just that simple. Now, can God use those things? Of course he can. That's his choice. But Jesus, I just want to know you. I 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 want to know you in the power of your resurrection. I want to know you in the fellowship of your suffering. I want to know you in your death. So this Christ in me, the hope of glory that makes all the difference. And so the next logical step is for us to realize what this love for him is. And guess what? I don't have any new scripture for you. In fact, what I would really encourage you to do, the ones that I've given today, very familiar, memorize those scripture and remember what James says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Jesus is asked, what is the greatest thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love him. How do I do that? You put him first. Again, back to when... And some of you are dating now. But when you date, you again, if you got a brain, you put that person first. And God is saying, seek me first. Love him first. And how do I love him? I take the time to spend time with him. You say, but I don't have time. Oh, yes, you do. (laughs) How you choose to use that time is a whole different matter. But yes, we all have time to spend time with him. We live in a crazy busy world, but we have time. It's how we choose to spend the time or to choose to spend time reading his word, or I'm going to tell you, I, I've gotten to a place where I just love to listen to the word of God because I have all these apps on my phone. I can just listen to, you know, these different, and these guys have amazing voices and just listen and let it just sink in my spirit. 
Spend time and, and see, <laughs> and, then, and then we get into, you know, that I may know him and, my, and express my love to him. And because I will, I will do what? I will give. Oh, that just, really? You're going to go there? Yeah, because part of our life is to be in peace. And a lot of our life is not in peace because the area of, excuse me, the area of finances is out of whack. And we can't figure out what's out of whack. Why is it out of whack? And we have chosen this back to me, me, me. I want what I want. I want it now. I have a card that will get it for me. Have you seen some of the cards lately? 25.99% interest. Back in my BC days before Christ, when I was in the Navy, I was a loan shark. We would loan out money to sailors at 50% interest. And we were called loan sharks. And now it's pretty much done with a credit card. But you know why? Just like those drunken sailors who would come back and say, Hey, Steve, I need another $100. Here you go, brother. See you payday. What was he going to spend that $100 on? Oh, I went to buy a new Bible. What do we spend our money on? The latest, the greatest, whatever. Again, please do not ever think that I'm against people having things. God wants us. We're okay with that. But it's, where's your peace? If, if you haven't surrendered every area of your life to God, I can promise you, you will not have the peace of God. But to love him first and give as we should to honor him and glorify him with all your heart, with all your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. And then it expressly, expressly comes back with, and your mind, because That's the first place that the enemy gets any kind of ground is there. If we surrender any territory to him, it's going to be there in our mind. So he's saying, guard the mind. Love him first. Make him first. And when you do, guess what? You're going to serve him. The reason so many people get discontent on serving and religious activity is because they don't realize that the service comes out of a heart of love for him not just trying to get something done to get the job done. And the second commandment, Jesus said, is love your neighbor as yourself. That means that we're going to serve other people. I heard somebody recently say, you know, sometimes I think people just treat me like a doormat. I have a word for that. You know what it is? Hallelujah. Somebody who serves. That may not have been the way that the context, but it, it made sense to me. How do we do this? And what are we even asking for here? We're asking that a body of believers, I'm going to go back. That a body of believers This body of believers beats all the odds. And out of this group of believers, we're all profoundly in love with God. 
and extremely in love with other people. That's it. That's it. Will it be challenged? Of course it will. Will it require change on our part? Oh, you better believe it will. And sometimes the biggest changes in our lives, nobody else will even see it. Because it's God working in us. Recently, we helped Kyra and Nate redo their bathroom. There had been a leak at some time, and the floor had been damaged. And so we had to tear all that up, put it all back. And I explained to Kyra, I said, you know, the funny thing is, all the time that took and the money it took to do this, nobody ever see it. All they walk in and say, oh, look at the floor, it's pretty. And so many times when God is working on our life, they can see the fruit of that at times, but oftentimes we're just aware of the fact that he has been working on us and doing those incredible things in our lives to change and transform us. And yes, it does express itself in different ways, but for the most part, people don't get to see all that God has done. In sharing with this media person this past week, I explained to them that many of the times that God has taken me to the place of brokenness, nobody else would even know about. But God knew. God knew. He knew me. He knew Steve Bishop. He knew how he made me. He knew how he created me. And he knew exactly what it would take to break me. So he can mold me to what he wants it to be. And here's the cool thing about it. I'm still in the process. Still in the process. One day he's going to come back. Or one day I'm going to leave this body. And it doesn't matter to me which one it is. And he's going to receive me. And as Chris said earlier. And it's about what he's done. Not what I've done. Because what I've done is given myself to him. And what you do, and I pray have done, if not will do, is giving yourself completely to him. Would you all stand? And as you stand, if there's someone here who, you know, you're getting ready, before you leave today, we're dismissing the service as soon as I pray. But if you're here and you'd like to have prayer, uh, Ronnie and Lisa are down here. Sheila and myself are down here. Dean and Andrew are here. Uh, we have people down front. And all you have to do is come down here and say, listen, I just want somebody to pray for me. And, and if you can, hopefully you can, share your heart of why you're, why you're requ- needing prayer. We all need it, okay? Just don't think, oh, wait a minute, I'm the only one that ever needs prayer. No, we all need prayer. It's part of the growth and it's part of the body life, part of the church family of living and doing life together. And so, Please, please, if don't leave here today and say, oh, I just I just wish I'd had somebody minister to me. I just wish somebody would have shared something more personal with me. Guess what? We're here to do that and we're willing and we want you to come and let us know so we can. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank for the life, the life, the life, the life that we have in you, Lord Christ. We're the people, we're the ones who, if you want to call it, beat the odds and come to that place of surrender, that place of absolute knowing 
seeking you and loving you and loving others. And we know, Holy Spirit, that it's been your work in our lives, that we are we're blessed to be chosen by you, Father God, to be in your family, but not just to be in your family, but to be intricately involved in carrying out your will and your purpose here on planet Earth and how you so desperately love us and how you so desperately love this world that you gave your son. And now we look at the chaos and the confusion and the mess of our world and understand that you're the hope and you're the help and we're the instruments. In Jesus' name, amen.